Welcome to Tile Talk. This is your host, Shimana Kalamangalam. Let's say you come across a very nice-looking tile for your home in your favorite dealer store, or let's say you're in Bologna, Italy, at the famous Cersai show, the mecca for tiles and the largest tile show. Cersai in Bologna is one of the most important trade fairs in the world. Held across 21 large halls, this is a must-see show at least once if you are in the business of ceramics. Let's say that you come across a very novel and an appealing tile. You're convinced that it's suitable for commercial application. You come back with samples and catalogs and present it to the architect or designer. They just love it and want to propose it in a current project they're working. But they're wanting installation information so that they can avoid any surprises and failures in the future. Questions like, Does the product need a crack isolation membrane? What type of motor and grout do you need to use? What is the surface tolerance? What should be the joint width? Do they need to be worried about expansion joints, etc., etc.? Questions, questions, and more. This can be overwhelming and confusing. To provide an answer to a right installation of ceramic and porcelain tiles, let's talk to an installation expert who once was an installer himself but now is on the technical committee of TTMSE, the Terrazzo Tile and Marble Association of Canada, while working full-time as Senior Manager of Marketing and Technical Services of North America with Kiesel, a leading manufacturer of setting cements and grouts. Let me welcome Derek Yarniski to the show. Welcome, Derek. Oh, hi, Shamana. Uh, thank you very much uh, on behalf of uh, TTMAC and Kizo. Uh, I'd like to uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, today's discussion is based on the uh, TTMAC technical installation manual that has been written by many passionate Canadian tile industry experts, and I'm very lucky to be one of them. Kizo also is a company that has been a, an active member of TTMAC since 2009. That's good to know, Derek. Before we discuss on installation of ceramics, I know which uh, you are raring to go and share your knowledge with us. Can you tell us a bit more on TTMSE? Yes, absolutely. The TTMAC was founded in 1944. Its mandate was to develop a method of standardizing terrazzo, tal, and marble installation techniques, as well as being a technical resource and liaison for the architects, specifiers, designers, and engineers. TTMAC has released many installation manuals over the span of 76 years. Wow. Uh, the most current ones are 2018-2019 PAL Installation Technical Handbook, 2017-2019 uh, to 2019, Hard Surface Maintenance Guide, and also 2019-2021 to 2021, PAL Installation Manual. In my opinion, these uh, industry-leading manuals shall be owned by everyone who has related in any degree to the tile industry in Canada. Every installer, specification writer, retail store owner must have these copies readily available to support proper technique installation, the requirements uh, or the requirements uh, drafted by Canadian tile industry. And I really do hope that our listeners have these copies available. And if not, please visit TTMAC website at ttmac.com for more information. And ultimately, we also encourage everyone to sign up to be a member with TTMAC as well. 
in a nutshell, you've been able to explain about TTMSE. Thank you very much. Let me get on to the meat of the podcast today. To install ceramic and porcelain tiles on walls and floors, can you detail what materials one needs to do a good installation? Absolutely. In a nutshell, to install ceramic, porcelain tiles, or stone, we need typically the following. Suitable substrate. Leveling compounds that are crucial when installing small or large format tiles, making sure there's no leakage and a proper uh, bonding and proper motor contact as well. Proper motor adhesives that include thin, medium, and full bed motors, proper grouts, and in some cases, crack isolation membranes or uncapping membranes. Uh, and in wet areas, of course, or in exterior, uh, you also need waterproofing membranes. Can you briefly talk about various types of substrates? I know that this is where the questions invariably product reps need to start off with when there's a question on installation. So can you just briefly tell us about the various types of substrates? Well, there's many, many substrates, obviously, uh, for to, to, to be able to install tiles, but the industry recognizes certain types of uh, substrates, which are typically masonry of concrete walls, your gypsum boards, uh, cementitious backer units, glass mud backer boards, cleavage membranes, concrete slabs, cement mortar beds, uh, wood sacklers. Uh, that includes, obviously, only EGP, which stands for exterior glue plywood, used obviously in a dry areas only, heated floor systems, existing tiles, or I should probably rephrase that, very well bonded existing tiles. Now, large format tiles are gaining popularity. You know, if you were to look at the kind of offers the ceramic industry has today, just unbelievable. I mean, I remember there were days when they were just 12 by 12s, but today, I mean, you're talking anything about two feet, three feet, and now forget three feet, you're almost blowing up to three meters now. Being that popular, can you tell us about installation of these large format tiles? Uh, yes, uh, definitely. Perhaps we should start with describing what is considered as a large format tile. According to our industry standards, any tile or stone with at least one edge greater than 15 inches is considered as large format tile. I strongly believe that all tile installation to start with a proper and well-prepared substrate. I will quote uh, during this conversation uh, our TTMAC installation manual to have the most objective approach to a failure-free tile and stone installations. Uh, so let us start with uh, substrates, large format tiles. Uh, please do not mix these with thin gauge tiles. Right now, in last uh, several years, uh, we have abundance of uh, different tiles, especially with XFL size tiles that are considered or named recently by the industry as thin gauge tiles. This is a separate topic which I'm going to continue after we discuss the popular large format tiles. I mean, uh, you're talking thin gauge tiles. Are these tiles which are which are humongous? We talk about one and a half meter by three meter. These kind of tiles. Yes, and they typically are either three-eighths or one centimeter thick, uh, sometimes even 5.5 millimeters thick. Oh, okay. Yes. Yep, yep. Right. And do they require uh, different substrate, uh, different installation methods as well than your typical uh, large format tile? So let's start with the, uh, as I mentioned before, let's start with, uh, with providing some information on which substrate. So we need to provide a suitable rigid, rigid software that is designed to support the maximum loading 
anticipated uh, for the area to be tapped. Uh, floor systems, including the framing system and the subfloor panels uh, over which the tile will be installed shall be uh, in conformance with the Canadian National Building Code uh, from 2015 and applicable building codes uh, taking into consideration anticipated life and dead loads. We may proceed though into and venture ourselves into materials used for to install uh -huh. large format tiles. At this point, we do, we do recognize the following uh, self-leveling underlayments. Uh, what is a self-leveling underlayment? It's a cement-based, typically, uh, quick setting, self-leveling, self-drying underlayment uh, for engineered approved floors, uh, very fluid once mixed, installation from feather hatch from six millimeters to at least 138 millimeters in a single application. We also have crack isolation membranes, uh, according to NC 8118.12. We also always advise to follow additional requirements or installation uh, procedures from uh, from their own manufacturers of membranes as well, not just uh, TTMAC uh, installation manual. Then we recognize some cutting membranes. Again, we advise to follow manufacturers' uh, recommendations or specifications. Then we can move on to the bond code, where full coverage, large and heavy tile mortars and late export plant cement mortars are accepted. The minimum acceptable standards is, uh, in this case, are NCA 118.4 or ISO standard uh, 13007C2S1. These are all modified epoxy. We also recognize, sorry, uh, modified epoxy emulsion mortars or 100% solids epoxy mortars, which will have the uh, minimum acceptable standard NCA 111.3 or ISO 13007R1. And as the last, we do have grouts, uh, which are typically polymer amplified uh, standard tile grouts, uh, which also should conform to NCA 111.7 or ISO 13007CG2 uh, as well. I just wanted to backtrack a little. Could you just clarify on the difference between a crack isolation membrane and an uncoupling membrane? Crack isolation membranes uh, for the tin set uh, ceramic tile and dimension stone uh, installation isolate the tile or stone from minor in plane substrate cracking. Mm -hmm. Membranes covered by these specifications are bonded to a variety of manufacturers approved substrate covered by NC specifications. Okay. In some cases, the travel applied products can be used as the adhesive for the ceramic tile or dimension stone as well. Other products within the scope of this specification are allowed to cure or are applied as sheet goods and are then used as a substrate for application of ceramic tiles and dimension stone by traditional methods uh, and materials. This standard applies to travel applied liquid and sheet membranes Obviously, uh, the testing requirements uh, uh, also follow in this category, and most likely they have, there are, there, or there should be uh, fungus and microorganisms uh, resistant. Also, the shear bonding is important as well. How do you test these? Well, we have uh, various uh, testing methods, and one of the TTMAC testing methods that is available uh, locally in Bonn is the uh, Robinson uh, floor test that provides you a performance rating, a standard performance, uh, the tile failure occurs after two millimeter specimen gap opening, but before three millimeter gap opening. We also have a high performance grading where 
tau failure does not occur by three millimeter specimen dampening, but it's and those membranes uh, provide the lowest profile uh, of the elevation of the tau insulation incorporating a crack isolation membrane. That's pretty much in a nutshell uh, what a crack isolation uh, membrane is. Oh, okay. uh, and it has also its own designation, and designation, which comes from A108.17. Okay. The question was also the antifracture membrane. What is it? I'm just going to quote the antifracture membrane according to the Tower Council of uh, North America, mm -hmm. which is basically the U.S. Uh, association similar to TDMAC. Okay. Uh, the internal makeup of this membrane is such that uh, movement in the concrete is not directly transferred to the top. Huh. Although the membrane is bonded to the concrete and the tile to it, the membrane stretches were needed to prevent or reduce force transparency. Hmm. And these membranes are either trowel applied or sheet applied. In many cases, multiple components are or steps are part of the system as well. Performance also varies, and it's important to check with the crack isolation manufacturer or membrane manufacturer regarding their installation instructions and intended use. Okay. So always check the TTMAC manual, but also check the guidelines from uh, from the manufacturer of membranes as well. Felix, sorry, I took you off track telling us about large format installation. And let's go back to the application part. My apologies, I pulled you out. I no, can't no, attempt. that's 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 all right. Uh, I think we can <laughs> juggle. I mean, it's an open, huge open topic that that could last for hours, but obviously <laughs> we don't have that much time. That's right. Yeah, let's get back to application. I think. Um, the deflection is uh, probably the biggest hustle for everybody. And mm -hmm. uh, you, you measure it using a 10 foot straight edge uh, prior to commencing an installation. Uh, sometimes you have to, as, as we already discussed, apply crack isolation membranes on counting membranes, uh, obviously following the manufacturer's recommendations to provide a complete coverage uh, of the substrate in the area on which large format tiles are being uh, installed. Uh, you have to also use recommended notch-all sizes for setting larger format tiles. Uh, you have to apply mortar into the substrate with flight side of the trowel. So basically, you're scoring the thin set into the substrate, providing 100% bond. This ensures, uh, this ensures complete contact uh, to the pores of the substrate. It is very important that the complete coverage be achieved by back battering each piece of tile with thin set mortar immediately prior to the setting tile to ensure that no voids are present against the back of the tile. Uh, sometimes you have to use different trowel sizes in order to uh, back batter in order to achieve uh, full contact or 95% in this matter. This is, uh, this is uh, pretty much a standard across global industry of tiles, 95% contact on the floor with large format tiles. Talking about proper nut trowels, uh, as I mentioned before, to ensure adequate bond uh, with the pressure you have to apply that coat of mortar by using the trowel flat side, uh, and then you have to use appropriate trowel sizes. Not all the trowel sizes will give you that 95% of coverage. So ideally, you want to lift several tiles while installing those just to check for that proper coverage. If you have 95% or less coverage, obviously, the failure may occur, and the bonding issues uh, uh, might be present at a later time. So 95% is being the least amount of mortar between the tile and the substrate, and, and the installer has to always uh, check for that consistency. Okay. Special attention should be also paid to ensure complete coverage of the bond code to the edge of the, the tiles. Uh, it is particularly important to have enough material to apply the tile code so the tiles are installed while the 
products is still wet and sticky. Uh, you have to also remove excess mortar from the joint uh, yeah, so that at least by two thirds of the tile bed is available for grouting. Obviously, uh, we need to also allow bond code to cure uh, and this has to be checked with manufacturer's uh, recommendations. Some, uh, you may have light traffic within uh, 24 hours. Some will tell you 12 hours. Uh, some will ask you to stay on that floor for 48 hours. And this is actually extremely crucial not to have that traffic prior to the installation or the recommendations by the uh, uh, modern manufacturer. So it has to be always checked uh, before the cloud traumatized are being installed or for that matter, any tile being installed. Are there any limitations to this, Derek? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, like with uh, every job, installation job commencing on there that, that relates to the tile, the limitations are always present. Uh, first of all, as I mentioned already several times, you have to follow manufacturer's recommendations. The most crucial factor that I've been observing throughout my whole career uh, as a tile installer or as a technical uh, representative is uh, the surface variation, especially these days, which large format tiles, a lot of people, a lot of installers don't know that the surface variation should not exceed three millimeters in 3000 millimeters and 1.5 millimeters in 600 millimeters. So when you take that straight edge and in three meters, you have three millimeter uneven substrate that has to be leveled, period. There is no, it's mandatory. It's as per TT uh, MAC installation manuals. Uh, you have to provide positive drainage below interior slabs. Uh, use latex for plat cement mortars or in exterior slabs as well. Use of epoxy mortars and grouts is recommended for interior surfaces only or where improved chemical resistance is required. We don't recommend to use epoxy uh, on exterior jobs. Use the uh, method of 309F-2019-2021 or crack isolation dash on coupling membrane if it's recommended by the manufacturer for precast floor systems or post-tensioned uh, concrete floor system and other floor subjects to movement and deflection. Uh, we also have other considerations for exterior installation to use a suitable uh, latex Portland cement mortar or manufacturer's uh, recommendation. There's also acrylic-based mortars in this DNA of tile installations as well. So always check with the manufacturer which mortar is suitable. Back battering, as I mentioned before, of the tile is required to achieve 95% of content. Tile used, for instance, on exterior applications must be also frost resistance. Waterproofing membranes are required. If required, then obviously they must be specified and must be used. That is in the accordance to NCA 111.10. Exterior grade uh, concrete slab must be sloped to provide positive surface drainage and adequate drainage below slab. That is very, very extremely crucial. Uh, movement joint architects must specify type of joint and show location and details uh, on the drawings. Uh, and there is, as I mentioned before, there's also a new uh, standard for gauge porcelain tiles and gauge porcelain tile panel or slabs as per ANSI A137.3, which you always should be uh, consulted for, for the types of sizes and performance and from both sides, from the manufacturer perspective and also from the uh, ANSI perspective as well. In some cases, you must use uh, lippage control devices as well. 
and they must be required for for a particular tile installation. So that is obviously always written during the specification from either manufacturer of, of the tiles or the manufacturer of mortars. And as I said, you have to also comply with NC or TTMAC uh, manuals as well. Now, whatever considerations or lim- limitations you just expressed, would they also apply to the thin gauge tiles or what's the installation requirements for a thin gauge tile? The thin gauge tiles or thin ceramic tile panels, as some will call it, have a long history though. But before 2017, there was no standards for both the performance and the installation of was what was known at the time for the new type of larger format tiles. For example, uh, 1,000 millimeters by three, uh, uh, 3,000 uh, millimeters, so one meter by three meters, uh, or even 1,500 millimeters, as you already mentioned, by 3,000 millimeters. Uh, and those porcelain tiles were six millimeters thick or less even. They were also called slim tile or reduced thickness porcelain tile and thin porcelain tile. But as of 2017, there are now two official terms. American National Standard Specification for gauge porcelain tiles and gauge porcelain tile slabs dash panels, which falls under NCA 137.3, describes ceramic wall tiles. While these have been on the market for many years, the latest technology has large format tiles, 300 by 1200 uh, millimeters, in a thickness of less or equal to 5.5 millimeters. Then you have pressed porcelain, which are the tiles that are usually limited to the tile sizes of 600 by 1200 millimeters, and less than or equal to 5.5 millimeters in thickness. Then you're going into actual mortars. Not every mortar is capable of handing these large panels or gauge thin tiles. So some adhesive companies offer specialty adhesives so that these products can be used on floor as well as on the wall in both new or tile over tile applications. As I mentioned, the Robinson floor test uh, can also verify a tile's suitability for given application. However, full coverage of 95 to 100% is required to support the thin tile uh, flooring application. Uh, and the minimum thickness for the floor application is 5.5 millimeters in terms of tiles. So if it's less than 5.5 millimeters, you cannot use it on the floor. The maximum uh, uh, gauge porcelain tile slabs are currently produced uh, in sizes up to 1524 by 3600 millimeters in thickness less than or equal to uh, 5.5 millimeters. These slabs are somewhat flexible and can be held in place in a curved or installed slab. Currently, these uh, slabs are rated for wool applications, although they have many additional uses, uh, such as uh, furniture, countertops, exterior wall, and ceiling applications. And usually, these slabs are available uh, with an optional mesh uh, for easy handling, as they tend to uh, be brittle. Uh, many slab manufacturers also often, uh, offer mechanical fasten systems for use in exterior cladding as well. Uh, so the possibilities uh, are endless. We just have to follow the specific recommendations, as I mentioned before, NCA 137.3, that refers to the thin gauge uh, tile installation. And that's another conversation for probably uh, several hours. So, 
So we'll call you for another podcast. Yes. Maybe, maybe that could work on that. Absolutely. I'll be glad to. Okay. Can you talk to us a bit on expansion joints, control joints, construction joints, and perimeter joints? What are they and why are they so important? The expansion joints and control joints, and sometimes control joints are also referred as isolation joints, are required in ball floors and walls on exterior interior applications. Expansion joints must extend through both the tile and the substrate on which the tile is applied and are designed to accommodate continuing movement in the structure throughout the life of the building caused by expansion and or contraction due to thermal and other effects. The installation of control joints in the openings left, uh, left by the tile contractor are covering uh, are covering the caulking and sealant section of uh, TTMAC manual. So please check if you want to have more detailed response for that as well. But control joints, uh, let's let's talk about uh, what control joints are. A control joint is a cut or tool into the concrete surface to control the location of a crack. A control joint in a tile to be located above the control joint in the substrate or above any construction cold joints. So cuts to be applied within the first 12 hours of concrete placement. Then we have so cuts to penetrate a minimum of one third of the thickness of the slab. So cutting of the slab is not the responsibility of tile contractor, obviously. Uh, and these joints should be applied to the concrete within the first 12 hours after the concrete is being poured. Uh, now let's let's discuss the movement joints. A movement joint is a joint in a ceramic tile extending through the setting materials, which is intended to minimize stress in the bonding layer due to differential movement of ceramic tile relative to the substrate and caused by thermal expansion and contraction. Movement joints to be provided around the perimeter of floors, around columns, where tile abuts their hard materials at the junction between horizontal and vertical substrates, and at the transitions that include corridors and changes in directions, for example, in T's or L's and uh, diagonals. The location and, and type of expansion joints and control joints is responsibility of the consul consultant or the manufacturer representative as well. The exterior expansion of control joints to be caulked uh, with also suitable sealants. Uh, for interior expansion of control joints, prefabricated expansion joints are, or double metal plastic terrazzo strips uh, might be also used with a suitable uh, sealant. For narrower joints, uh, let's say six millimeters or less, uh, a cock joint might be appropriate sealant uh, that is floor rated and it could be used. Uh, some prefabricated expansion joints may be also recommended by the manufacturer uh, for exterior use. So always check with your uh, with your supplier or with the manufacturer of, uh, of those particular uh, materials. Then we still have uh, three different uh, three different joints. So one of them is a cold joint. Uh, secondary would be the construction joint, and then you have the isolation joint. So I'm going to describe what, what a cold joint is. Uh, a, a cold joint is a form primarily between a slab force, a control joint to be installed over all cold slabs in the slab. Where conditions do not allow uh, one to install the control joints, the use of crack isolation membrane might be considered. Along with a movement joint in a tile surface as close as possible to the cold joint in the substrate. Then let's discuss construction joint. This is where the plane where two successive uh, places of the concrete meet, uh, but do not bond cementishly. Uh, sometimes the 
bowels or reinforced steel are used to hold the concrete on both sides together. So control joint might be placed over this joint in a path. And then finally, we have an isolation joint, which is a separation between adjoining similar or dissimilar elements of a concrete structure, usually a vertical plane. It's purpose to prevent movement of the individual parts from causing cracks into the concrete, also sometimes called an extension joint. Oh, yeah, that's quite extensive. Thanks, Derek, for the clarification. No, you're welcome. Let's move ahead. Tile leveling system. Where are they used and is it recommended in commercial applications? Yes, um, absolutely. Let's, let's discuss tile leveling systems. Uh, um, in my heydays, when, he, when I was installing tiles, uh, those were not available yet. But I would say in the last 15 years, they became very popular. So what's the purpose of the tile leveling system? It's, it's pretty much used to eliminate a lipid uh, between the tiles. Uh, it's an excellent solution, in my opinion, for the installers, but they need also to be used in a very proper way. I have observed on many job sites, uneven substrate, where the leveling pits were used to fix this problem. And as you remember, the deflection allowance over uh, a span of uh, three, uh, three meters uh, is only three millimeters. So therefore you need to level. And sometimes these clips are being used as a leveler. And at this point, you're pulling away your tile from the substrate where you limit also uh, contact of your cement between the tile and the substrate. Uh, from, from the distance, uh, aesthetically, the tile installation will always look fine and basically perfect when you're using clips. However, underneath those tiles, as I mentioned, we still need enough mortar to create proper bond. And as we have mentioned in our podcast already, the mortar contact with large format tiles shall be, uh, shall be present on interior wall installations and it shall have a minimum 80% and 95% on, on exterior installation or floor installations. That minimum coverage is 95% of floors. So you have you as an installer, as I said already before, you have to live those tiles, you have to use proper trowels. Uh, there's different trowels in the markets, different uh, uh, trowels for thin gauge tiles. So it's up to the professional to, uh, to check uh, what PPMAC installation Bible uh, has to say in terms of uh, technical installations. So the mortars also are not meant for the application because either of the density and non-porable consistency. So you always have to check with the manufacturers whether that specific pin set or medium bed mortar is suitable to be used with uh, with leveling uh, clips. I think that's 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 about it in a nutshell as well. Oh, great! Because I know the tile leveling systems are very popular whenever you see them in a tile retail store or mostly in residential application. I wasn't aware that they would be of such use in a commercial application. Okay. Yeah, there's there's different ones as well, different shapes, different forms. I mean, ultimately they provide uh, that one solution, lack of leverage. Okay. But as I said uh, before, you need to know what is happening underneath that tile in order to state that your installation will last for another several hundred years. Oh. Now, droughts, when we talk of droughts, you know, that seems to be the last part in a tile installation. I know the grouts are important, but can you tell us about their uh, differences, their types, and uh, 
joint widths. Invariably, you get a question coming back on the joint widths. Can you just explain about that? Of course. We have several different types of, of grouts. We have uh, Portland cement grouts, uh, which uh, carry the designation of NCA118.6, which is a mixture of Portland cement, uh, silica sand, and pigments um, normal, normally supplied as a back pre-blended mixture, uh, which cures to a dense water-resistant material. Uh, and in this case, damp curing is normally uh, required as well. Then you have the standard uh, cement grout, which is, uh, Again, the NC uh, falls under the same category, NC118.6, uh, uh, which is the grout is designed for use on walls, for use with wall tile uh, consisting of a blend of Portland cement or calcium carbonate or other fine fillers uh, and water retention agent. Uh, this ground could be also used without pre-soaking absorptive uh, wall tiles as well. Uh, then curing might, be, uh, might help also develop uh, greater strength and water resistance too. Uh, then we recognize uh, latex Portland cement grouts, which fall under the category A118.7. This is a grout of the same composition as two preceding grouts, uh, but mixed uh, with latex additive. Uh, Maybe supplied with a dry, redisperable latex additive uh, in a package pre-mixed grout, in which case the product may be referred to as polymer-modified grout, uh, as is commonly used. And then we have the latex uh, additives reduce the uh, water absorption of grouts, improve stain resistance, uh, and increase the bone strength to uh, ceramic tile. Uh, normally, dry cured for 24 hours, uh, and damp curing might be required uh, under some conditions. Always, as I mentioned several times already, always check with the manufacturer of of those materials just to see uh, what the technicalities and the properties and the characteristics of those grouts are. Then we have epoxy grout, which falls under the category of uh, A118.3. Uh, epoxy grout is, uh, has a similar composition to an epoxy mortar, uh, but normally is supplied with a variety of colors and formulated to uh, permit clean, uh, clean up with water. Uh, chemical resistance and temperature resistance of both products uh, should be also determined by the reference to manufacturer's literature because uh, the scale of uh, different qualities of epoxies is, is large as well. With the tile thicker than 30 millimeters, uh, it may be very difficult to complete fill joints that are less than six millimeter wide. So always check uh, again with the manufacturers and their statements uh, uh, how to use the epoxy grouts and so on. Uh, then we have Furen resin grouts, which falls up uh, under the uh, A118.5. Again, it, it's a grout similar in composition to uh, resin mortars. Use were required for uh, required for chemical additional chemical resistance. Normally, uh, they only supplied in black color, and you use this grout uh, under the special insulation, and obviously your skills must be uh, present as well. Uh, and, and it requires sometimes waxing of the tile prior to setting and steam cleaning after the grout is cured. Then, as the last grout option, we have organic premixed grouts, uh, which falls under the NC as the uh, PDA. What is an organic premixed grout? It's a ready for use factory prepared mixture of water, polymers, aggregates, pigments and other materials to produce a water-resistant and stain-resistant and uniformly colored materials that I use uh, as joint filing for uh, ceramic tiles and natural stones. 
the joints width are within 116 to half inch, but NC has not yet released um, designated number uh, to accept the uh, TBA, as I mentioned before. Wow. So, yes, so we have six uh, basically different types of graphs. Oh. But the most commonly used is your latex portland cement graph. Uh, sometimes as a, 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 a 18.7, which is also called a called a uh, high performance graph too. Thank you very much. I have one last question before I let you go, Derek. Well, despite having such detailed information uh, on installation, can you tell us briefly why some installations fail and how do you think we can avoid them? It's a very good question. It's a question I'm getting all the time uh, uh, regarding failures. Uh, I think to eliminate failures, uh, we need to, first of all, start with the basics, which is the installation uh, school system that is not as accessible in Canada, especially in Ontario and some other provinces as on the West Coast, for instance. Uh, and I think TTMAC uh, provide excellent solutions in terms of uh, teaching and education uh, formats. There's many, many options available. Again, please go to the TTMAC website and check for uh, additional details. But um, the biggest installation failures uh, occur when the basic guidelines that we already have discussed are not being followed. In a nutshell, lack of proper subject preparation, as I mentioned, I'm visiting a lot of job sites and I'm looking at those floors. Those floors are not level. And these days, in order to install large format tiles, your allowance over three meters span, uh, or the deflection allowance is only three millimeters. We're talking about one eight, and it has to be level. There's always different means to level, screeds, manual screening, uh, self-leveling compounds, uh, a lot of different solutions. And all these solutions are are present on the market as well. You don't have to look for those in a special uh, stores. Uh, pretty much uh, every uh, retail location that sells ceramics sells also those uh, leveling materials. Another this uh, contributing factor factor is uh, the questionable uh, travel sizing and lack of uh, mortar transfer. This is where I see most failures occurring, uh, where you have 50% uh, of coverage instead of the minimum 85 on the wall and 95% on the floor. Uh, that's just the basic requirement. I've seen or I have observed many times the edges of the tiles were literally empty. There was no tinsel transfer about an inch from the edge of the tile. Uh, and the only thing that was holding that particular section was, was the graph. Moreover, uh, we can also add the fast track installations uh, where the motors have no time to dry and cure properly. That's, that's another important factor always check with the manufacturer recommendations. If the manufacturer states light traffic between 24 hours to 48 hours at certain degrees, typically uh, averaging around 20 degrees Celsius and 50% of humidity, uh, this is where uh, you have to follow those instructions. If you go too soon, your tin set, your motor is still green underneath that tile and you have more traffic than anticipated, you're gonna have a bonding issue. That tin set will shear off the substrate. Early grouting, uh, for instance, I, I hear a lot of complaints about uh, efflorescence, blushiness. Well, the manual actually uh, for the uh, tiling stars uh, has several pages on uh, 
I've got issues, and I, I always refer, please read those, and uh, then you have, then you're getting a clear picture uh, what the problem is. But typically, the problem starts with early grouting and exposure to traffic. Uh, I've seen so many times that the grout was freshly done and the drywalls are coming in because this is the fast track operation. There's a lot of sending of drywall happening. All that gypsum-based material, filler, will actually end up in a wet joint, uh, changing its chemistry. And you have this coloration. There's, there's many, many other factors contributing to that as well. Uh, and, and as I mentioned before, GTMAC has done a beautiful job uh, having now three different books related to the specification writers and to the installers, uh, uh, referring to problems and solutions as well. Uh, and it's a must-have uh, must Bible, I would uh, call it, that every, everyone in the industry should, should, should have or should own one. Spot bonding, that's another biggest issue. Uh, there's a lot of guys using, maybe not a lot, some that I have observed, that are using five blobs on the tile, and that's how they level it. You only have five contacts. Again, you're not even close to a 50% of coverage. You're gonna be, you need 95. Some guys are using uh, three inch trowels on, on 24 by 24 inch tiles. This is, you're not gonna get any contact with it. Uh, very limited, definitely not 95%. Um, the tiles sometimes are cold. You need to step up. That's why checking and lifting uh, tiles every few meters or every few screw meters gives you the appearance whether it's done, uh, whether the water transfer is present and whether your tile installation is done correctly or not. Floor deflections, that is a structural problem. Uh, that has to be addressed by the architect or a structural engineer. Certain requirements. Your, your floor has to be solid. Tiles are not made of rubber, unfortunately. They're not resilient flooring that can slightly stretch and have a little bit of movement without affecting integrity of it at all. Uh, tiles, there's not a lot of uh, uh, allowance for movement, unfortunately, in our industry. Uh, so, and at the end, just a typical common sense would uh, prevent any installation fiascos. Thanks, Derek. Wow. That was a very detailed and insightful chat. And we hope to see you soon for another sitting, Derek. Yes, I appreciate you having me here. And I hope uh, our industry will grow into a monster, Thank a you. positive monster. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. That's it for today. This podcast is hosted and produced by me, Shamana Kalamangalam. Our show theme music is by Kevin McLeod. If I missed anything or if you would like to know more, please email me at info at tiletalk.ca. Please visit my website, tiletalk.ca, for previous and latest episodes. Please subscribe to the feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Google, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast player of choice to get the latest episodes. Your questions and opinions are valuable. I look forward to your feedback, and thank you for listening to Tile Talk.